bridge Let's travel the world together She can make it easy and in any kind of weather No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down She's talking from the skies and sending lots of feel-good sounds Oh, Betty, in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt Betty and the Jets Oh, she's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh, Betty and the Jets Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories about fufula, watha, a streaker, suitcases, crackers, babies, stowaways, wigs, and a thruple kerfuffle. <laughs> The music for the show I recorded on the streets of London. Let's get on with the show. I don't know if I ever mentioned that we have to check the crew rest area uh, before boarding, before we're getting off the plane, uh, just to make sure somebody hasn't, make sure some, nobody's there, like a stowaway or a sleeping crew member or whatever. And I always make jokes to the other flight attendants saying, um, just once, I'd like to find somebody down there to justify all this checking. And this flight attendant goes, oh, we found somebody down there once. I'm like, you did? Because <laughs> I've been checking it for decades and there's never, there's nothing down there but but blankets and pillows. And she said, yeah. She said, before boarding, the flight attendant went down there to check and the curtain was closed and there was big men's sandals. And she's thinking, aha, I found somebody because there's no crew member who wears sandals. You're not allowed to wear sandals. And she's thinking, it's a terrorist. I, it's a stowaway. I found someone. And she whipped open the curtain and there was a cleaner sleeping in there. And it's like, wah, wah, wah. but it's still a good thing she checked because that person would have been off to Europe <laughs> unintentionally. So I guess it is good that we checked. I was flying with this cute, petite, short flight attendant, and she commutes also. And when we land and you have a short time to catch your flight, you are all about making that flight. You know, that's, <laughs> it's it's enough of, you know, saying, hey, good trip or whatever. You're like focused, get, you know, go, go, go. So she grabbed her coat from the closet, put it on, started barreling down the jetway, going to make her flight. And another flight attendant who just happens to be big, and tall yelled at her hello you're wearing my coat and she looked down and the coat she had put on was like past her fingertips <laughs> six sizes too big it's dragging on the ground <laughs> so they switch coats so now she's running to her flight laughing to herself picturing the big tall flight attendant putting on her teeny tiny coat Okay, so I was, I can't remember where we were going at the time, but there was a gentleman on there that had dementia. Okay. And was, kept wandering up and down the aisles of the airplane. He had his wife and his daughter with him, but they weren't paying attention to him. 
he kept wandering up and down and sitting next to people that <laughs> that, that he didn't strangers. know yeah strangers and they're kind of looking at him so we kept having to push him you, you need to come get right. your dad or we bring him back up to you know the right. daughter anyways we were just about to do our last service of the flight and someone came down the aisle and said hey you know that man that's been walking up and down the aisles and we're like yeah we were like yeah he said um he's naked oh my <laughs> so i was like what so we, we ran up to the <laughs> the front of the plane and in between first class and the main cabin there's a galley there and he was he was standing there in the galley but naked naked as a jaybird Niggas do not one stitch of clothing on the ground. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> so, so I said, I was like, what are you doing? He said, I'm, I'm trying to take a shower. Oh my god. <laughs> so we had to run, run back to go get the, get the daughter and the wife. And I was, and there's like, he's got no, I don't, like his clothes are nowhere. I was like, where are your clothes? And he didn't know, so so I started asking the people on the aisle, because their eyes were like big as saucers, like, oh my God, did that that did not just happen? <laughs> and I said, do y'all know where this man's clothes are? And they're like, yeah, his pants are over there, and his shirt's up there, and his and we're not sure his socks over and behind there. <laughs> it was crazy. He was streaking. He was naked, naked. Naked as skinny. Skitty, naked man. <laughs> <laughs> it was not pretty. <laughs> There's a fine line between a know-it-all and being helpful. And I try... <laughs> to say things in a nice way so it comes off as just helpful because I'm at the airport all the time and it was funny to me twice on one three-day trip I saw a passenger dragging their suitcase so a suitcase you can have the the four wheels on a suitcase but a lot of times you just have two wheels so you have one side that has wheels and the other side that doesn't and twice in one three-day trip I saw passengers dragging their suitcase on the side without the wheels. I don't know how you don't notice that it's heavy or maybe they just don't travel enough that they think that's what, how their suitcase, their rollerboard suitcase works is you just drag it. So um, I said to both, one time I was in my uniform, one time I was in regular clothes. I said, hey, um, it's easier if you use the wheel side of the suitcase. And both times I got a, huh? And I'm like pointing, I'm like, see, the one side has wheels and the other side doesn't and you're dragging it. And both times I didn't get a thank you or um, great. I just got a, hmm? <laughs> it's just humorous to me. So I was in London and we, we stay at this hotel. It's a great location, but it's the teeniest, tiniest rooms you've ever seen. Sometimes you have to crawl over the bed, like roll over the bed to get to the coffee maker because <laughs> you can't walk around the bed. <laughs> it's a challenge 
Uh, but I've got it worked out. But it does, you know, you see those tiny house shows where you think, that looks nice. I can have almost no overhead. I can travel more. But you stay anytime in this little teeny tiny hotel room and you think, no, thank you. No tiny house for me. <laughs> I don't want to have to be this creative. And, oh, you know, uh, what if you have two people in there? That's crazy. So, okay, the size I'm now used to. Uh, but what I don't like, the bigger problem of these, some of these rooms, not all of them, maybe they used to be adjoining rooms and they took the, the, the door out. I don't know. But there are some rooms where you can hear every single thing. I mean, you can hear every word. You can hear everything in the room next to you. And so I'm sound asleep in my tiny room and it's 2 a.m. and I had to get up at 5.30 a.m. and two people come in the next room. I didn't even know I had one of those rooms because there, I guess, hadn't been anybody in it up until that point. But now it's 2 a.m. and these two women are whooping it up loud. Um, they're, they're partying at 2 a.m. and I had to get up at 5.30 a.m. And so I had my, I tried earplugs. I tried turning the TV on. I got an app on, on my iPad and was playing white noise. Nothing helped. Then, I'm sorry, I hope this isn't going to be offensive, but um, then I didn't realize um, they were lesbians. And how do I know they were lesbians? Because they started having relations. <laughs> and this session lasted forever forever and I could hear everything I actually clapped when they were finished it's like thank goodness can we all go to sleep now okay so what happened so I asked the guy what he wanted to eat and um I told him the choices we had and then we no longer had the choice that he wanted and so he was upset about this you know when I tell them they like you don't have that anymore and I said no and then so he said I don't want anything and then I just gave him the cold tray and so then there was only left the salad and the crackers <laughs> and dessert so then he proceeded to open the crackers and crumble them up on the floor oh my gosh so I was like Okay, so one less thing for you to eat. <laughs> so I said, that'll show me. <laughs> I like when they um, they think it's going to hurt your feelings if you don't eat the airline food. Yes, that just, it hurts, it I pains me. Oh, yes, you'll show me. Thank you. <laughs> I'd like to thank any of you who were so kind and generous when you're going to buy something on Amazon. You took a few seconds to go to my website, bettyinthesky.com. It doesn't cost you any more. It supports the show. You can even bookmark it so it's even faster. And I like to see what people buy. This past month, somebody bought a Zanzibar travel guide right up my alley. Uh, someone else bought the World Atlas of Coffee. Interesting. And a book called Relax. It's only a ghost. <laughs> so if you'd be so kind, think about going to my website, bettingthesky.com, click on any of the Amazon links, and it supports the show. And I thank you so very much. So a lot of times, especially when you start, you don't know the names of things or you haven't heard it. Oh, you're right. They don't know how to pronounce them. Anyway, so I was in first class, 
and we were hoarding and you know I was going through offering and um, I don't know why I was offering that but anyway that's what yeah. happened so I went up to the man and asked him would you like some petite fours <laughs> and he said go away <laughs> he said go away this came from listener Martin thanks Martin before COVID I flew a lot for work literally Siberia for a meeting, home to Switzerland, repack the suitcase with warm weather clothes, and back in the air for Molly. You've seen a lot of unremarkable road warriors like me, tapping away on our laptops until the meal service, then taking a snooze until it's time to land. We don't bother the flight crew, though I've been known to help translate on Africa routes that the European carrier hasn't staffed with a Swahili speaker, or deflect a passenger hitting on a flight attendant as she prepares a snack service in the galley. Usually, my job is to get somewhere, and your job is to get me there safely. With our interactions are limited to polite smiles, and yes, I ordered the Asian vegetarian meal, and yes, I'd love a glass of white wine. Thank you. One flight was very different. My then-wife, a physicist, had a conference in Hawaii. Since she was still nursing our 22-month-old baby, I had to come along for the ride. The whole two-week trip involved 48 hours in the air with an infant. Let me tell you, we spent a month prepping our daughter for the trip. I bought her two picture books about airports and airplanes that we read every night. She knew that the seat in front of her belonged to somebody else and could never be kicked. She knew that the other people on the airplane would be trying to sleep so she couldn't cry or yell. This is so smart. I don't think most parents or hardly any parents would think to do this because this way the child is familiar with what's going to happen. It's really smart. When we got to security checkpoint for our first flight in Geneva, she was giddy and pointed at security, security. So cute. Our second flight was going to be the real killer. 11 hours nonstop from Baltimore to Honolulu. This is one of the longest domestic routes in the U.S. Blessedly, we had a friend who lived in Connecticut, worked in Dallas, and he had way too many air miles from making the commute every week. He gifted us for an upgrade for one domestic segment. And here was the mother of all domestic segments. Business class, here we come with our lap baby. When we boarded the plane through the front door, it's about the only time in thousands of flights that I've ever got to turn left instead of right to find my seat. Row 4A and B. Big, fat, window and aisle seats. We start to arrange ourselves when we hear 5B say to her partner, Are they allowed to have babies in first class? Her partner mumbled something back, and she said even more loudly, Are babies allowed in first class? I glance back. She's mid-30-ish, blonde-ish, and definitely a devout reader of Elle and Cosmo. As my wife, my baby, and I position coloring books and other activities for the flight, 5B actually flagged down the flight attendant and was demanding to know how we could be possibly be allowed to be in the first-class cabin. Ma'am, the flight attendant explained, they bought their tickets with the same terms and conditions as everyone else. We'll do everything we can to make sure the baby is comfortable and she'll probably sleep most of the way. Having failed to get us evicted to cattle class, 5B started a loud diatribe to her partner about the injustice of a baby flying in first class and then continued on and off for hours. 
Meanwhile, our little girl colored and played quiet games and listened to me read stories to her. She didn't cry or yell or throw things, and the seat in front of her was way too far away to even think about kicking. After five hours of whining from behind from 5B, I saw 5B finally go to sleep. Not long after, I reclined my enormous seat further than I ever experienced on an airplane, my baby snuggled into my chest, and we had one of the most delightful naps of my life or hers. When we awoke about three hours later, 5B was watching a movie. We didn't hear any more complaining for the next few hours. Then, as we were starting our descent into Hawaii, the flight attendant passed by row three, row four, got to row five, planted her feet next to 5B, pivoted, waved to catch my attention, and then said, Sir, inches away from 5B and loud enough to make sure that my wife and 4A could also hear at the window, Your daughter was perfect. She was very well behaved. Very, very well behaved. 5B said nothing. As we got our bags from the overhead bin after we landed, she would not even look at us. She kept her eyes fixed to the floor as she scurried to the door to get into the terminal. And when we walked out next with my baby girl in my arms, the flight attendant met my eyes with a conspiratorial wink and one of the biggest smiles that ever welcomed a jaded traveler to their destination. Years ago, I grew up in Austin in the 70s. It's okay. And um, my parents were, you know, I don't know, they, they weren't wild, but they had parties and stuff all the time. So we had they had these friends of theirs playing a band at their Christmas party and they said how much would it be and they go well we'll just can we use your house for our Christmas party oh. they were like some 27 year olds they called the Longhorn Band but it wasn't the marching band it was like you know so it was anyway like a trade. so we went to spend the night out and we come back and I have two sisters and so all of us shared a bathroom so I go in the bathroom we can't find our dog we have an Afghan hound and they wanted us to leave the Afghan hound there they're like Sabrina will be the head of the party so I walk in the bathroom and there is this hippie passed out with hair like down to here and the Afghan hound's blonde hair all laying out in the bathtub and I'm like so this guy flight said it was saying uh, I think we were talking about people poking us. We don't like to be poked. And he goes, oh, my gosh. I had this older woman. She was from somewhere exotic. She had on, like, a ethnic outfit. And um, she was poking him in his private area, in his junk. He, she was poking him. <laughs> and he just turned and went, first he was going to say, like, what the F are you doing? But he said, what do you want? Because he's thinking it must be something important if she's poking him in his private area. <laughs> she goes, Watha, Watha. <laughs> he's like, I'll get you some water. He wanted to, he was going to say something. He just didn't think there was any point in scolding her because she obviously had different boundaries than he does. And she's poking him in his junk, going, Watha, Watha. Why did you become a flight attendant? I became a flight attendant. It was my father's idea. My father uh, was a career army man. He thought a lot of the military, and it was the most, probably other than meeting my mom in Germany, was the best thing that ever happened to him. And he said, you know, 
his last three years, the last three years my father, so he could avoid another move and we could stay where we were living in, in San Francisco, right there on the Presidio Army Base, right by the Golden Bay Bridge. He did what was called escort duty and he escorted oh, the yeah. bodies back from Vietnam. And he flew a lot during that time. He did, usually did two funerals a week. And when he and they treated me so well when I had to go down, you know, then they oh, had to go down the right. side steps and make sure the body was boarded. And they always treated me with such respect and the body as well. So he said, I, I, I would like to see you fly. <laughs> so it was because my dad happened to see in the Dallas-Fort Worth airport that they were hiring flight attendants. And uh, it was because of my dad's wonderful experience flying through the South. That's, That's sweet. Fun. Yeah, and you did it. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> all so because of that experience he had. That, yeah. that you're here. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> So I don't really ever talk that much about the flight attendants who aren't so great. <laughs> Luckily, I don't run into that many of them, which is good. And uh, I don't like the po- the podcast to be negative. But if you guys fly, you've you've run into some that aren't so great. You know, they're lazy or they're not so nice. Um, so I had two odd ones in the last month. And uh, the first one is a guy and he was just complained all the time. He was lazy. Uh, I just, let's just say he wasn't my favorite. (laughs) So then at the end of the trip, he's like, oh, so nice flying with you. And I'm not very good at lying. So he's like, oh, so nice flying with you. And I'm like, yeah, uh (laughs) uh-huh. Yeah, uh uh-huh. Anyway, this next one, this one was odd. Um, we're in briefing. That's when we first meet and tell everybody our names and everything. And this junior flight attendant comes in and says it's going to be her birthday and that we have to do something fun. And uh, then I didn't really talk to her on the flight except for the one time when she says, yeah, it's my birthday. So I'm hoping that somebody on the crew writes a check out a blank check. They don't write the amount and I can write whatever amount I want in there. And I'm going to write in $20,000. And I'm like, what? What was that? Hello? Who do you think's on the beverage cart with you? Oprah and Bill Gates? (laughs) We serve Coke and chicken for a living. Nobody's writing a blank check to someone they just met. None of us ever have ever seen her before. Um, And I don't write a blank check out to anyone. (laughs) It's like, yeah, so it's um, it's Bezos and Gates and Zuckerberg and Oprah. That's who's on your crew with you. Uh-huh. We were in the galley talking. I know for some reason we were talking about names, and I said, I like the name Fufula. And they all looked at me like, what? What did you say? I said, Fufula. They're like, that's not a name. I'm like, well, there's a fox. On Instagram at the Save a Fox Rescue, and the fox name is Fufula. And then we start laughing, and I kept saying, Well, you know, it's just really fun to say Fufula. <laughs> and then I was like, And you could possibly use that word for other words. And anytime you use it, you're going to get a strange look from people like, a, What? So um, we were talking about we were on this plane that has a pilot crew rest that has two bunks and a door that locks. And um, I was saying, well, you know, that bunk is like prime for fufula. 
<laughs> because we have bunks, beds with a curtain. Uh, you would think there'd be some fooling around going in there, but there's always other people in there. You know, there's always like five people, four people, six people. So, you know, it's it's not prime for fufala because there's other people and you'd get caught. But this pilot crew rest, just say if there were two people into each other and it's just the two people and the door locks, it's prime for fufala. We're also saying, you could say, like, say you didn't want to say the F word, you can instead say, what the foofala? <laughs> this next story I recorded in an SUV in Churchill, Canada, when we were looking for polar bears. Uh, I haven't aired it, even though I was there in November, because uh, the audio is a little wonky in that when you're in an SUV with six people, and actually, no, eight people, including the guide. And so you have the vehicle noise and then the people in the front row, the people in the second row, the people in the third row, um, their audio is all different. So I had to like <laughs> tweak everybody's audio, but I think you can hear it. And it also shows that you meet very interesting people when you're traveling. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I met 105 or 106 year old man. Yeah. Man. Yeah, it, 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 in Okinawa, right? I I think at the time they told us that the oldest living was 114. I don't know if that's correct. Yeah, it was, and 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 supposedly this person, this gentleman, I think it was, it could have been a woman. I don't even remember. Just said 114 year old. Basically, the key that they felt was not just the diet, but it was the volcanic soil was incredible, and then the fact that. They, because it's a good diet and their longevity, they're always active. So outside, this particular you know elderly person always was still farming somewhat her own garden. Yeah. yeah. They, move, they move like all, all the time. Yes. But there's this other thing that I really was saying, like, oh look at this snowpack. Stuff like that. It's like, you know, the thing that especially so the, the Japanese word for. Grandpa is Obachan. Obachan okay. And so we always like the Okinawan Obachan. They, they drink alcohol every day. Instead of getting drunk. Like what kind? Like sake? No, no, sake is Japan. In Okinawa, they have a different drink which is called Awamori. Okay, this is not a rice base? Rice is Italian Thai rice. But Thai rice. Ooh, that's so much better. I'm sorry, but if I'm going to have I guess I'm getting older. You know, we're all getting older. And we're flying with a young girl. It's funny. One time we were flying with a young girl. And this other funny flight attendant goes, um, we should have a sign. Baby on board. Baby on board. Like they have on your car. Anyway, we had this young girl. And um, we were late. And so she had missed. She's a commuter also. So she had missed her flight. Now it was going to be ours. So her next flight. And we're getting off the plane. And she said, I think I'm going to change. And I'm going to go have a drink at one of the bars at the airport. And, you know, maybe have some stranger danger. And I was thinking, stranger danger. Uh, I never think of that. Um, <laughs> maybe... I'm not, you know, maybe I've really changed because for me, it's like, no stranger danger, please. No stranger danger. We were all standing around talking in the galley, and they have this uh, beautiful young black lady, flight tenant, French speaker, very elegant, very poised, you know. 
And uh, all of a sudden, she starts kind of saying cuss words under her breath. And so we're like, what's the matter? She goes, oh, it's, you know, I can't speak French. Oh, it's just awful. I was standing up there. I was doing my, you know, life vest imitation. I was looking, yeah, just, I was just looking fly that day. You know, I was just very French. And anyway, and she goes, I went to pull that off. Off goes my wig. <laughs> and there I am in my stocking cap in front of everyone. <laughs> That's really cute. <laughs> This next story, some people like a warning. So here's your warning. There's one swear word in this next story, but it really kind of needs it. I have a story about one of the things I've been flying for a long time. And the air, the only thing that's consistent about the airline industry is inconsistency and change. That's the only thing you can count on is that everything's going to change. <laughs> and so it's funny when you fly with flight attendants who've been flying as long as you have or longer, they'll bring up things and you go, oh, I forgot all about that. I forgot all about that. So somebody said, do you remember, I think it was a 727, the front row of coach didn't have a tray table. And so back then they hadn't figured out that they could put it. Now they put it in the armrest and you, you you put it up. But at the time, and I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't thought about those stupid tray tables in so long. Um, it was a tray table that we had to keep in the closet. <laughs> We'd have to go get it from the closet, straddle the person in the front row to put this metal tray table, and then there were holes in their seat, and we'd have to put it in. And so, <laughs> oh, and by the way, I'm going to do a whole bunch of these type of stories in the next episode. Um, so this flight attendant was telling me that Cher was sitting in the front row of coach on that airplane. And this male straight flight attendant <laughs> went and got the big, weird metal tray table, <laughs> has it in his hands, straddles, share. And she goes, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> you have to watch what you assume. And I'm going to have to backtrack just a little bit on this story, just in case there's, I think most of you listen a lot, but it's in case you haven't um, heard the story, none of this is going to make any sense to you. And I'm going to recap quickly that I had been laughing about this crazy passenger who had a real-life turtle with suction cups on its hands and feet stuck to the window. And then I had told the story a bunch of times, and the other nice flight attendant made me a little plastic, the, tur the turtle's name was Herman, made me a little plastic Herman with suction cups on his hands and feet, and I would stick it to the window everywhere, and I was traveling, and take pictures of it, and it was fun. And then poor Herman became... I called him handy cupped because two of his suction cups fell off because probably I used them too much and his little hands and feet weren't made to hold suction cups. <laughs> okay, that's the backstory. Now I'm working first class with a flight attendant that I fly with all the time. And I guess I assumed I had told her about Herman, but I guess I didn't. And then I'm flying with another flight attendant and she mentions that she was on the flight when we first heard about Herman, the suction cup turtle. And so then I assumed that I had told her that that other flight attendant had made me a little plastic suction cup Herman turtle. <laughs> that all sounds silly. Anyway, so now the three of us are in first class and the flight attendant who was on the flight when we first talked about Herman said, oh, that was so funny about Herman. And I said, 
Oh, yeah. Um, oh, I got to back up one more little time there. <laughs> the purser, who I've flown with a lot. Very nice. Funny. And that flight, that day, we had a gentleman who was in a wheelchair who didn't have use of his legs. He was basically, I don't, I don't know if it was a birth defect or whatever, but he basically didn't have legs. So, um, I seemed very capable, you know. Anyway, he hadn't been on that flight. So, now we're in the first class cabin and the flight attendant who was on my flight when we first talked about Herman said something about, oh, that's so funny about Herman. And I said, oh, you know what? Herman is now handicapped. Uh, and she's like, what? And I'm like, well, two of his suction cups have fallen off. And she goes, how do you know? And I'm like, well, they fell off. And the purser is, thinks we're talking. She, of course, when I said handicapped, she heard handicapped because who's handicapped? Nobody's handicapped. People are handicapped. So she thinks we're talking about the man who came on in the wheelchair. And she said, he has suction cups? I'm like, yeah. And she said, well, where, where are his suction cups? I'm like, they're on his hands and his feet. And she goes, well, what, do you, what does he use them for? And I said, to stick to the window. Like, hello. <laughs> and she's picturing the man with suction cups sticking to the window. And she's looking at me like I'm crazy. And then the other flight attendant's looking at me like I'm crazy. And she's like, how do you know that Herman lost his suction cups? Did you see that lady again? And I'm like, no. I have a little plastic Herman's suction cup turtle. And then the purser goes, what the? No, she used a other word, but F. <laughs> what the F are you talking about? That the man has suction cups and he sticks to the window? And I'm like, <laughs> at this point, <laughs> I was just like bent over laughing because I we had like a three-way miscommunication, a three-way thruple um kerfuffle, a thruple kerfuffle. So she's picturing the man in the wheelchair with suction cups. And she's saying, what does he use them for? <laughs> the other flight attendant didn't know about my little plastic Herman with the suction cups. And she only knows about the crazy lady who had the real Herman. And she's wondering how I know that the real turtles suction cups have fallen off. So I had to tell the whole story to both of them, and it ended up being very funny. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the Fufula world together. Thanks. Bye. Oh, she's weird and wonderful.
she's a podcast queen. She's wearing high heel shoes, got her wings on too. You know I've never seen a better stew. Betty and the chips. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.